Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Okay, welcome everyone to Manna for Breakfast. We're kind of on our abbreviated one today, trying to get this out. Uh, So we have a a consistent reading through the scripture. I'm pre-recording this uh, before Sunday. You'll probably get it on Monday, but nice to have you with us. We are going to be looking into Exodus 14 and 15 today and um, Matthew 26. So we're going to get right into the word and look into what God has for us this morning. God, thank you for this time. May we be God just humbly coming before you, seeking your face and that awaiting on you and being patient because of the things that you desire to to develop and build up in us. God, help us to be your servants in these troubled days and everything that's going on. We know it's difficult, but God, thank you for the things you are doing in our lives, and thank you for your word. In Jesus' name. All right, now let me get over. I just realized I had the Spanish version opened up. I guess it would be better if we get into the... um, The English version, that will help us, won't it? Okay, here we go, Exodus chapter 14. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Tell the sons of Israel to turn back and camp before Pi-Hahirath, between Migdal and the sea. You shall camp in front of Baal-Zephon, opposite by the sea. For Pharaoh will say to the sons of Israel, They are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. Thus I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart towards the people. And they said, What is this we have done? that we have let Israel go from serving us. So he made his chariot ready and took his people with him. He took 600 select chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he chased after the sons of Israel as the sons of Israel were going out boldly. When the Egyptians chased after them, with all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and they overtook them camping by the sea, besides Phi Hariath, in front of Baal Zephon. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and he became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Is it because there was no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. 13. But Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today... You will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why 
are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. As for me, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I am honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen. The angel of God, who has been going before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. So it became between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel. And there was the cloud along with the darkness, and it gave light at night. Thus the one did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided. The sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on the dry land, and the waters were like a wall to them on the right hand and on the left hand. Then the Egyptians took up the pursuit, and all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen went in after them into the midst of the sea. At the morning watch, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve, and he made them drive with difficulty. So the Egyptians said, Let us flee from Israel. For the Lord is fighting for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians, over the chariots and their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal state at daybreak, while the Egyptians were fleeing right into it. Then the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, even Pharaoh's entire army that he had gone into the sea after them, not even one of them remained. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea, and the waters were like a wall to them on the right hand and on the left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. Well, there you have this incredible um, this incredible reading, this incredible understanding of what's been going on now up to this point of that the people are finally fearing God. They're finally getting it. They've seen all the plagues, and they're still kind of idolaters. They're still believing in the gods of Egypt. We're going to see that as we go out and build a golden calf. But at least now they're getting the picture that this God is God over over all gods. And they're camped in front of, in front of Baal Zephor. See, another one of the Baals there in the land of around Canaan, well, down in Egypt here, but up into Canaan. So that was on purpose. Again, this another stronghold. They believed their gods were local and had power in different areas. And it should have been balls of Zaphon that had easy victory over little Israel and their weak god. 
But uh, God made sure that he got the victory right there in front of one of their major deities and and, um, destroyed the Egyptians. So now the people of Israel are believing. The people of Egypt are now believing. Chapter 15, the song of Moses. Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord. He is highly exalted, the horse and his rider. He has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will extol him. The Lord is his warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. And the choicest of his officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths cover them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. And in the greatness of your excellence, you overthrow those who rise up against you. You send forth your burning anger, and it consumes them as chaff. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters were piled up. The flowing waters stood up like a heap. The depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be gratified against them. I will draw out my sword, my hand will destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praise, working wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. In your loving kindness, you have led the people whom you have redeemed. In your strength, you have guided them to your holy habitation. The people have heard, they tremble, anguish has gripped the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom were dismayed, the leaders of Moab trembling grips them. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. By the greatness of your arm, they are motionless as stone. Until your people pass over, O Lord, until the people pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever for the horses of Pharaoh with the chariots and the horsemen went into the sea and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea over them or on them. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea. Miriam, the prophetess, Aaron's sister, Aaron's sister took the timbrel in her hand and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dancing. Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and his rider he has hurled into the sea. Verse 27. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, it is named Mara. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There he made for them a statute and regulation, and there he tested them, and he said, 
if you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. Then they came to Elim, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy date palms, and they camped there beside the waters. I watched very recently a documentary, which looked really good, started off great, about the presence of Israel in Egypt, in archaeological evidence that they were finding and uncovering. And this guy was supposedly an investigative reporter and just trying to look for the facts. And they said, yes, we found uh, evidence. We find these different kind of interesting characteristics. We believe there were Hebrews uh, down in Egypt, even though there's no real story of the Exodus. They always make that point. But um, but then he says, but the, he gathers up all this evidence, and then he finally gets to the point of them crossing the Red Sea. And he, so he travels far and wide over to um, some other place near Egypt, and he meets a biblical archaeologist, biblical archaeologist, apparently, he talks to this man, and this man says, um, well, we believe that they crossed here at the Reed Sea. The name is the same, the Reed Sea and Red Sea, and they traveled. And they crossed over here real close to Egypt uh, where they were let loose, and the, and the water's only three feet deep there, so it was no problem for God to blow the wind all night and dry up a space that, because the, the water is only three feet deep. And so, and he goes, oh, it makes total sense now. Now it all makes sense. <laughs> they forgot one very important detail. Because if that was the case, then God did a greater miracle than pulling back water that was, say, 60 to 100 feet deep. He drowned the entire Egyptian army, horses and all, in three feet of water. The entire army. <laughs> okay, how do you explain that one, biblical archaeologists? Um, they like to skip over that and ignore that. It was as a wall. It's hard to call a three-foot piling up of water, a wall. But that's what it was. And that's what the Bible says. That's why we believe it was the Red Sea over by Saudi Arabia. They crossed over there. And it's interesting that those 70 palm trees and everything, that they have found the place exactly near there where they would have camped. So there's your archaeological evidence. So we will go over to Matthew now. And we will look into... Chapter 26, 36 through 75. That's what we're doing today. Uh, the rest of 26. The Garden of Gethsemane. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. And he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. 
And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying in the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. While he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, came up accompanied by a large crowd with swords and clubs, who came from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now he who was betraying him gave them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one sees him. Immediately Judas went to Jesus and said, Hail, Rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you have come for. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached and drew out his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to him, Put your sword back in its place, for all those who take up the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? How then will the scripture be fulfilled which says that it must happen this way? At that time Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as you would against a robber? Every day I used to sit in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place to fulfill the scriptures of the prophets. Then all the disciples left him and fled. 57. Those who had seized Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were gathered together. But Peter was following him at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest and entered in and sat down with the officers to see the outcome. Now the chief priests and the whole council kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus so that they might put him to death. They did not find any, even though many false witnesses came forward. But later on, two came forward and said, This man stated, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. The high priest stood up and said, Do you not answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said, You have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I will tell you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robe and said, He has blasphemed. What further need do we have of witnesses? Behold, you have now heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spat on his face, and they beat him with their fists, and others slapped him, and they said, Prophesy to us, you Christ, who is it who hit you? Now Peter was sitting outside the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him and said, You too were with Jesus the Galilean. And he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are talking about. When he had gone out from the gateway, another servant girl saw him and said to those who were there, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath, I do not know the man. A little later, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Surely you too are one of them, for even the way you talk gives you away. Then he began to curse and swear, 
I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the words which Jesus had said before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. How sad is that? That is, um, that's tragic for Peter, but on the upside, Peter was the only one that followed him there, wasn't he? Where the rest of the disciples go. He did have a strong love for the Lord. He, he just fell in the face of persecution. And it was prophesied, and all that was to give us an understanding that God understands our weakness. He still loves us. He knows we're weak. He knows we have a, a real problem with our, uh, with our flesh and with fear and that we can fall in those weak moments. But he's going to restore Peter. It's going to be wonderful to see what he does in Peter. And Peter, again, after that, after he's restored, never denies him again. And In fact, he did go to his death. He was martyred, as we understand with church history, um, and more than willing to go to his death, having never denied his Lord again. But here we have the phenomenal Jesus in the garden, coming, the people coming to get him. And why was all this happening? Because it was written, it was put down in history ever since. Adam and Eve had neglected and rejected the blessing they had of eternal life in their mortal bodies, or I don't know, in their eternal bodies at that point, and had sinned, God had set in motion the plan of redemption through the perfect spotless Lamb of God. There was no other way that man could be redeemed, that justice could be served for sinful man before a holy God, and by his own doing, God paid for the price for our sin by himself through the love that he had for all humanity, that whosoever might come to him might inherit eternal life. So this is Jesus going to the cross willingly. This is why he prays in the garden, not by my will, but by yours, recognizing that human side of him was had this had this desire to... to be maintain the mortal flesh, but knowing that he had to go back to the Father. So he does claim to be deity. He does in front of them. And of course, now they are taking him to the cross. And we are beneficiaries of that obedience to the Father. We are supposed to learn from that ourselves. To um, n- not my will, not our will, but his will, even though when we don't understand everything that he's doing. All right, Charles Spurgeon, February 12th for today. God delights to give. And the Lord said, Abraham, after that lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eye and look from the place where thou art northward and southward, eastward and westward, and all the land which thou seest, to thee I will give it and to thy seed forever. Genesis 13, 14, and 15. A special blessing for a memorable occasion. Abram had settled his family dispute. He said, let there be no strife. I pray thee between thee and me, for we are brethren. And hence he received the blessing which belongs to peacemakers. The Lord and giver of peace delights to manifest his grace to all those who seek peace and pursue it. If we desire closer communion with God, we must keep closer to the way of peace. Abram 
had behaved very generously to his kinsmen, giving him the choice of the land. If we deny ourselves for peace's sake, the Lord will more than make it up to us. As far as the patriarch can see, he can claim, and we may do the like by faith. Abraham had to wait for the actual possession, but the Lord entailed the land upon him and his posterity. Boundless blessings belong to us by covenant gift. All things are ours. When we please the Lord, he makes us to look everywhere to see all things our own, whether things present or things to come. All things are ours, and we are in Christ, and Christ is God's. Well, Father, thank you for that beautiful devotion and sentiment and how we can get a clear understanding of your desire for us, God, to be peacemakers and devoted to making peace amongst family and those in the community. We know that oftentimes, God, we have to make concessions and we have to say, well, take it. I'll deal with whatever else. You take what you want and I'll take the rest. There are many times, Father, where it seems so unjust some of the way that we get treated, but Father, you do promise a greater blessing. And we don't know when it will come, but you do promise that blessing. So we have the greatest blessing of all. We have you. We have eternal life. We have the promise of the new heaven, the new earth, our new bodies. Help us to maintain that clear perspective and not be so hung up on the earthly. Give us real solid guidance on how we deal with people and with our material possessions. And thank you for that. And thank you for the, for the salvation. Thank you for the obedience of your son Jesus to the cross. And we, the beneficiaries of his agonizing torture and death. God, we thank you, knowing that we don't deserve it, but we thank you nonetheless. We ask continued prayer for those desiring to come out of the darkness, out of the world, out of a lot of um, addictions through alcohol or drugs or pornography um, or even video games. Whatever it is, God, we just ask that you help them come out and not be so caught up in the world, caught up in the social media, caught up in the cell phones, where it distracts us and keeps us slaves to those things. So God, free us up. And God, we pray for the new believers that you now help them grow. Plant that seed in good soil, help them grow and help us be there to help them grow. Thank you for the blessing we have been able to use and be ministers of your gospel. We are so blessed and we thank you. And thank you for this wonderful day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that will do it for today. Look forward to seeing you guys again tomorrow. And if you people that are following the podcast, you are invited to jump over onto the live feed, which is at 9 central time, calvarypv.com. Can it watch live or just go to Rumble? We need more subscribers on Rumble. Even if you don't use it, that would help us. It's CCPV or Mana for Breakfast and also on Telegram, and Facebook, and YouTube, and Twitch. Probably missing one, but we're all there under Manna for Breakfast or Calvary Chapel, Puerto Vallarta. Give us a look and subscribe. We will see you tomorrow. God bless you guys. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.